Bitcoin has bounced back $5,000 on some news or rumors or whatever. MicroStrategy now owns over 100,000 Bitcoins. And Chris Giancarlo, former chairman of the CFTC, says the U.S. risks becoming backwater without a central digital currency. One Ethereum options trader lost $3 million in a trade gone bad. And that's just a few of many stories we'll be covering today. In a special Crypto Spotlight segment, we feature the Free Ton Project. You'll discover the good that has come from the SEC's shutdown of the Telegram Ton ICO. But first, we wish to note that we do today's show with heavy hearts. News broke on Wednesday that software pioneer and friend of this show, John McAfee, has died at the age of 75. Today's moment of silence in the upcoming gap is dedicated to Johnny with nothing but love and sympathy for his wife, Janice. This is our Bad News episode number 526. of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and crypto serious. And we do indeed have heavy hearts today to learn that John McAfee allegedly has committed suicide in a prison in Barcelona. Yeah, very sad times. You know, we've interviewed John four times on episode 100, 200, 300, and then almost episode 400 uh, because he was about to head out somewhere and we wanted to make sure that we could get him back on the show. Great guy, had a lot had a lot of uh, great interviews with him. And um, I think we're going to we're going to do a an episode remembering John McAfee with some of the uh, highlights of those episodes, right, Joel? Yes, we are going to be doing a special tribute show. We've got a few bad acidors that are going back and listening to the four episodes we did, pulling out some really interesting stuff. I know you found some interesting tweets, and we're going to talk about that in a special episode that will be coming out soon. But the main news uh, according to this article in Cointelegraph, Spanish international news agency EFE, John McAfee was found dead in his prison cell at the Bryan's 2 Penitentiary Center on Wednesday. And I'm just going to say right here that John McAfee didn't kill himself. I'm just well, I'm going to I'm just going with that. Mm hmm. Well, we've, we interviewed him several times, and he made comments to that. Not only that, but he also made tweets about that. One tweet I have right here from uh, the 15th of, of uh, October of last year. I am content in here. I have friends. The food is good. All is well. Know that if I hang myself a la Epstein, it will be no fault of mine. Now, that's a pretty powerful statement. And then he, he followed that up with another another one. On well, this was actually in November 30th of 2019. His tweet was says he's getting subtle messages from US officials saying, in effect, we're coming for you, McAfee. We're going to kill yourself. I got a tattoo today just in case. If I suicide myself, I didn't. I was whacked. Check my right arm. And it's a tattoo called whacked. He's got a, there was a whacked token available on the McAfee mm. decks that he had Yeah, that's on. that's not a clue right there. Uh, earlier on Wednesday a Spanish court ruled that McAfee could have been extradited to the US following approval from the country's council of ministers and the opportunity for his legal team to appeal the decision. The 75-year-old previously argued that the charges he faced were politically motivated and that if he had been extradited, he would have spent the rest of his life in prison. Um, that could be very true. Uh, John, you will be missed. And again, our deepest sympathies to Janice and our condolences. Uh, it's just it's super sad and it sucks. Yeah, so, you know... The government comes after folks that are, you know, that came after John McAfee for some of the things that they thought that he did. And there's just a whole legion of horrible people out in the world running free and in some cases protected by the government. So this sucks, man. Um, this really sucks. We're going to miss you, brother. So with that, let's get to the news. 
We're going to go to CoinGecko in just a second. But first of all, we want to remind you that Animoca, these are the guys that are working to revolutionize the gaming industry. Big hits, F1 Delta Time, Quid, The Sandbox, Crazy Defense Heroes, a bunch of others. If you're a gamer or just want to know what Animoca Brands is up to, check them out at animocabrands.com. And now let's go check out coingecko.com, our preferred site to check out the crypto market caps. Time stamping this episode, 1.57 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on the 24th of June. The crypto market cap, $1.443 trillion. Bitcoin, just shy of 35000 34817 Ethereum, back over two at 2015 Tether, $1.02. Binance Coin, $3.12. Cardano, $1.38. Dogecoin, 24 cents XRP 68 cents USD coin being very USDE one dollar polka dot 1629 and Binance USD dollar we got three stable coins Sir Lord Travis in the top 10 this week for volume what does that tell you mm, that's the first time that that's happened and you know, that just tells me that there's a a lot of money being pulled out of the market and sitting in stable coins right now mm -hmm. there's a lot mm -hmm. of people doing that now check us out uh, the big winners the past week yeah there's none no big winners i mean <laughs> i mean if you look at it like xdc network was up six and a half percent quant up five percent and then everybody else under two percent most of them are in the red big losers for the week is amp down 42 percent kusama ksm token which i'm a fan of kusama they've been doing some interesting things down 41%. This is why you never listen to Travis when it comes to financial advice. The uh, it, the Internet Computer, ICP, that is not the Insane Clown Posse. That's ICP. And that token has been tanking. That thing was launched at well over $100, and now it is down to under $35. Thorchain down 30%. NIM down 29%. QTM down 29%. Polkadot down 28%. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This was a bloody week. It was a really tough week. We saw Bitcoin go down below 30,000 for the first time since January. It actually hit its low, I think it was just under 29,000. It has recovered more than $5,000 since then, which is why if anybody tells me, you know, they ask me, should I buy Bitcoin? I just shrug my shoulders and look at them because I know the volatility that it brings you have to have a strong stomach to be in crypto and even in spite of having a strong stomach when we woke up to the crash where everything fell out earlier this week uh, i told producer aaron i'm like leave me alone I'm, I'm depressed and it hurts in my heart it hurts i just i'm just i need a few hours to just allow it to sit there and and be painful because I know she's like it's going to come back. I'm like of course it's going to come back. I know it's going to come back, but it doesn't mean, you know, it's like yeah, I can survive getting kicked in the nuts, but it hurts like hell at the moment. <laughs> I I, I would suggest changing the verbiage though. That's not good when you're like it hurts me in my heart. That's like not a good thing to say for your overall heart health in general. So say it hurts me in my toe. Or something hurts me it hurts me in my ass yeah it hurts me <laughs> I, I feel like i got kicked in the ass way better but yeah, yeah you know it i look at it you know in 2017 2018 when it happened it was like oh damn oh shit. I, it was it felt way more painful then because uh we didn't have that lesson to pull things out of the market right mm -hmm. whereas the stable coins weren't as prevalent then so if you try to pull something out then the market's still going to tank you're like what am I going to do? I'm going to take it out of a shit coin, put it into Bitcoin, and Bitcoin's tanking too. How do you protect yourself? But now with uh, stable coins, it's a whole lot easier. And DeFi, you know, it, to, to stake those and, and, and loan out your cryptos, it's a lot easier to maintain some stasis during these roller coaster rides. And, you know, crypto dipped all the way down, you know, to what, to 29, 30,000, something like that. And then pop back up to 35, 36,000. Now it's at 34,000, almost 35,000. So, you know, one of the things that we talked about even last week was that a lot of the whales were accumulating. They're not selling. They're accumulating at these lower prices. And, and even so, I guess we can move the story of MicroStrategy over a bit because, you know, MicroStrategy now owns more than 100,000 Bitcoin. Like, They've accumulated another chunk of 13,000 
coins. And here they are owning, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, 0.5%. So one half of a percent of all the Bitcoins ever to exist, MicroStrategy owns them. And they're not selling, right? These big companies, they're not selling, right? So where's the pressure on this market? Is it because China decided to move and that created the down? You know, they said, hey, no more Bitcoin mining. So a lot of people are moving. Right now is a huge opportunity for people who are mining Bitcoin because the hash rate is not as difficult as usual because a lot of those Chinese miners have been taken offline and they're moving to Kazakhstan. Some of them are moving to Texas. And so, right, you know, right now, I think it may be a calm before the storm as the hash rate kind of settles, finds its place. The, the uh, difficulty will kind of recalibrate. And uh, we'll see what happens here. I think that this is maybe the calm before the calm before the calm before the storm. Yeah, that's a lot of cojones, right, that uh, Michael Saylor has here. He's either the smartest guy in the world or, or the most foolish, you know, for a company to own 100,000, half a percent of all the Bitcoin. Wow, that's a risk. Yeah, it looks to me, though, that they're not too concerned about it because whenever the price goes down, what do they do? Do they cry about it and sell it and and bitch and moan like Elon Musk, or do they go out and buy more? They're buying more. And that's that's what you're doing. That's what the smart folks are doing is they're going out and, 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 and snagging more while the price is low. People ask me, well, what should you do? And I'm like, well, I just think you should maybe take an approach where, maybe, what can you afford? 25 bucks a week, 100 bucks a week, just keep buying Bitcoin. And then over time, the price is going to keep going up. And so it's going to go up, it's going to go down. But the general consensus from you know, experts smarter than us in this in this world around the space is saying that it's going to go up over a hundred grand someday, probably over a million dollars someday. So, if you're just snagging a little bit here and there and not worrying about the price as it goes up and down, just keep keep stacking sats, as they say, then you'll probably be better off in the long run. Well, there are others out there that feel likewise. And there's a gentleman by the name of Rick Edelman. He is the founder of the financial advisory outfit, Edelman Financial Engines. He says Bitcoin and crypto assets are a completely new and different asset class that have nothing in common with stocks, bonds, real estate, oil, or commodities. He said this is the first genuinely new asset class in about 150 years. And he is trying to educate his peers. He's telling his colleagues they need to get rid of their bias and examine Bitcoin and crypto assets with open eyes and genuine curiosity. Uh, you know, others have come around. A lot of people are coming around. There's a lot of people that la laughed about Bitcoin in the beginning that are now coming around. And it takes a lot of courage and humility to be able to say, you know what? I think I was wrong about this. And, uh, you know, I'm crypto curious now. All right. Teach me more about this Bitcoin thing. Mm. When you were at the beginning of that, I thought you were going to say, yeah, there's a guy here talking about uh, talking about the genuine asset, uh, Rick Flair. I was like, <laughs> "Woo! styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing, crypto Satoshi stacking, son of a gun, baby!" Woo! <laughs> so, what caused the big dump this week that took place? What was it? Was it Monday? Uh, it was China once again. Uh, China's third largest bank announced a ban on crypto usage. China, why are you so asshole? I mean, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. And every time they announce a ban, it you know, Bitcoin does a little dump as though it's not going to come back. And of course, it always does. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would say this, and I listened to, I listened to a pomp, his newsletter that came out a couple days ago. I was, I was in, um, I ordered a pair of these head. I ordered a pair of these sunglasses a couple of years ago on a Kickstarter, and they finally arrived. And they have induction speakers in the in the ears, right? Which is really cool. So I was like, I was like, oh, I was listening to the. It's like a five minute little thing when he reads his news his newsletter, and he he was talking about something that real that I had been thinking about as well. Where with China getting rid of Bitcoin mining. They are actually kind of kicking themselves in the their future ass in a big way, like you know. Because think about this: the the economics of of owning and controlling all of that Bitcoin mining is something that they should have embraced. And with them not embracing it and kicking them out and making it illegal, 
that is going to be a geopolitical mistake that will be looked on potentially years down the road as that's where China fucked up. Because, right. Wouldn't it be interesting? Because you always talk about how China's got this 500 year plan. Wouldn't it yeah. be awesome if, if this, you know, it's like that, that meme that you're, it was at that moment they knew they effed up. Right. Yeah. Right. It could be like, it, it seems to me that, and this is a big opportunity now for some of the other countries in the world to gain some hash rate. And, and that's really where the game should be played right now. And China, I, it's a big mistake by China doing that. So you know what? Yeah, the crypto markets tank just a little bit, but it's going to recover. But with, with China banning Bitcoin within the borders of, of China and kicking out all the miners, I think that's the dumbest shit that I've heard of a country do in a very long time. And I'm glad that China's messed up. So good job. I hope they don't. I hope they don't fix that. I hope they stay out of China because screw China. Well, let them screw up. I'm good with that. And there are others that have their eyes on how we here in the U.S. could be screwing up. And one of them is the former CFTC chairman Chris Giancarlo. He says that there could be a lot of benefits to a central bank digital currency. And without one here in the U.S., we risk becoming backwater. So does that mean we're all going to be Arkansas? Mm. Now, oh. come on. I got friends in Arkansas. Just oh, backwater. Keep on rolling. Mississippi <laughs> uh, crypto. Eh? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, it's an interesting thing. I think this is an area where we're messing up as well, right? I mm-hmm. think we've talked mm-hmm. about this in the past where, oh, Hey, they're doing crypto stuff. That's bad. We got to kick them out of the country. Innovation leaving America. That's dumb. And then us not having a central bank digital currency, I think, is also a, a silly thing because we should do that. And, you know, China is working on theirs. Their, their, their uh, central bank decentralized currency or digital currency is almost done. Right. And why are we not doing it? Well, for one, Trump thought, you know, thinks, you know, Bitcoin is a scam. And so they didn't really develop any crypto then. And I don't know what Biden thinks on the topic because I I don't know what his handlers are telling him what to think. Yeah, Biden doesn't know what Biden thinks. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm just saying I'm not going to get too political in here because people screech and cry and moan about shit. Right. But but what's what's true is, is that innovation is leaving America. They're being left in the dust. And, you know, we're we're able to go spend a shitload of money on on lottery tickets or we can go bet ten thousand dollars on red. But we can invest in certain cryptos. And we're we're alongside countries like North Korea and Iran and places like that. Like, oh, this coin is available in every country except United States, North Korea and Iran. Like, really? And Venezuela. Like, what is going on when our leadership is putting us in a situation like that? It's, it's just ridiculous. So I'm with John Carlo here. I wish he was still the chairman of the CFTC because we do not have enough leaders that understand that. And he actually left the CFTC and created the Digital Dollar Foundation. So, so John Carlo is all up in the cryptos. Shouldn't he be on the show? I know we've talked about having him on before. Producer Aaron, let's see if we can get former chairman John Carlo. On the show, yo, he is a hero. Know? He is a hero. Indeed, he is. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki in the news once again. Of course, he is the author of the multi-million-dollar-selling "Rich Dad, Poor Dad." He is predicting the biggest crash in world history, and when that happens, the price of Bitcoin will fall to twenty-four thousand. He says, "Buy more gold and silver." He's waiting for Bitcoin to drop to 24,000 crashes. Best time to get rich. He's not wrong. Be greedy when other people are fearful. Do you know, though, for the last 25 years, I've been listening to people tell me that the biggest crash ever is coming. And we've had some, you know, really challenging crashes, but the biggest crash ever, like since the depression has not happened in our lifetime. And people have been writing books saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Yes, it's coming. Eventually, it's going to happen. Eventually, all the experts who are saying the crash is coming are going to be right. The only reason it hasn't happened yet is because they're propping up this economy with more money and more money. I figured that by now, the amount of money that they're putting into 
the the world economy, and especially here in the U.S., is the U.S. dollar is like <gasps> on life support, right? With no oxygen. I thought it would have happened years ago. It's I remarkable. I'm I'm right with you. That's one of the reasons why I didn't really profit too much on the you know the stock market and you know the, the tech bubble because once I learned in 2000, once I learned that the Federal Reserve Bank was neither federal nor a reserve, and I learned about the trustees of the Federal Reserve System, and I learned about the Rothschild family and the Rockefellers and how they influence you know geopolitical politics and how they influence the monetary system. Uh, just to me, it was always like, wow, okay, so it's 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 guaranteed that's going to crash, but when? And so I just never really trusted the stock market, and uh, and so crypto came along, and I I understand math, and I trust algorithms and smart contracts more than I trust people. I don't trust human nature. I don't trust greedy, control-driven humans like some of those big banking families. I just don't trust them, and you shouldn't either. And so that was one reason why I always thought the stock market was going to tank. And, and here they are. And, and since then, they've printed out more money than the, it's just unbelievable. We're going to start talking about quadrillions. We're not going to talk about you know, how long until the federal debt is in the quadrillions and how long until it's going to cost us $500 to fill up our gas tank. Like, I, I would wager that we're not five years away from that. Like it, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be so horrible for some people who have not prepared, you know, having some assets and, and, and getting into some crypto and hedging their bets and getting some gold and silver. They're going to be so it's going to be a, it's going to be unbelievably bad for a lot of people. And if you think and if you hear what the the World Economic Forum has been talking about, they said, hey, the great reset is company is coming. You're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. And what and then you see that there's companies like BlackRock right now, which are, you know, big hedge funds and investment companies that are going in and buying all of these single family homes. In some cases, they're coming in and buying the entire area of homes and they're buying them 50, 50 percent more than they were originally asking, sometimes 100, 200 percent more. BlackRock is buying single home families. So this this whole thing, like it seems like we're in this orchestrated collapse right now. And it's in a slow move and it's almost it's a slow boil. And most of the frogs in the pan don't realize they're about to be boiled, Joel. Now, you're just being a conspiracy theorist. If by conspiracy theorist, you mean somebody with facts and data and evidence on their side. This is all actually happening. This is all provable. There's there's no surprises here. It's painful for folks who don't know that it's there. And that's why a lot of times we'll get emails from folks like, we've listened to your show for years. And, you know, Travis is saying these conspiracy theories and he needs to calm down and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, these are fact-based research. These are things that you need to research. Don't just take my word for it and go, oh, wow. Or don't just go, Travis is a kook and he says this. People have been saying that I'm a kook since the year 2000, and I've been proven right time and time and time again because I do research and I go outside the bounds of traditional media. And you oh, have to do there's that. Another, there's another guy who sometimes pops his head in here. Oh, wait, I think, in fact, he's here now. He might be able to relate to you, Travis. Alex? Alex Jones, is that you? I got to tell you folks something here. I've been I've been taking super vitality now for months and I am over the top here what's going on here with with the with the government and, and and Joe Biden and this whole shadow government that's taking over. I tell you what, you guys better be selling all your stocks. You better be buying crypto. You better be buying super vitality because they're making frogs gay. I have the information on it. It's unbelievable. And I tell you what, I got to go back to my show. I got to talk with old Wilson. He's coming out of my show. But I got to tell you what, Tune in, Infowars.com, and I, I just don't know what else to say, Joel. Thanks for having me on. Did you say Owen Wilson is going to be on your show? <laughs> yeah, I think you dude, meant Owen gonna, Stroyer. No, we're going to be talking about things, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and your brother, Luke, both of you guys together. It's yeah. Double yeah. trip. Oh, that's great. Uh, I freaking love it. All righty. Well, let's see. Where were we in the news? Oh, this story here, uh, producer Aaron put in, and I'm not really going to go in depth. I'm going to invite you to go to the show notes on it. But the article is really interesting because the headline is faster than the speed of news. What a 41 minute head start means to crypto traders. And it's all about how people who are paying attention to news in the right place kind of know what's going on before the big moves take place. And it could be 
be very profitable. You can read this story in the show notes for this episode. If you go to badco.in forward slash 526, you will find links to this story and all of the other stories that we're covering as well, especially these as we get ready to head around the world and see what's happening. Get on your plane, Trav. I want to say something, though, real quick before you get on the airplane. This article to me, if you read through it and it says, and as always, there's potential for profit, human ingenuity finds a way. In this case, Newsquake, service from Cointelegraph Market Pro. So basically, this is like... It's paid. It's like Ovaltine? Yeah. Is that a crummy commercial? <laughs> like corn? When did I eat corn? <laughs> yeah, it is. But they make some really good points in it. And Cointelegraph yeah. is not paying us to uh, to say this. All right, we're on the plane. And first, we're going to land in India. And this story here on Bitcoin.com is about a rapper in India. His name is Raftar. And he's going to be paid in crypto when he performs in Canada. He's like he's taking steps to uh, to get paid. What's he getting paid in? What crypto is he going to get? That's his performance fee. But it doesn't say which crypto he's going to be paid in. It's probably bad coin. Man, I don't know. I just I feel like we should we should have had a, a, an Indian rap prepared for this for this one. We should have we should have had we should have been ready for this song. We should have had a song ready for this moment, but we do not. But uh, I anyway. wish that I was funny enough to come up with something right now. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but but Raftar probably could be. He would be he would be dropping some beats and some rhymes right now, and hopefully they would include some self aware slurs towards Indians. You know because he can do it. You know, you can call as long as you are that race. Like I can make all the Jewish jokes I want because I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. All of them. I, can, I can't I can make any about, Jewish jokes because I'm not Jewish. I could talk about being a hook nose, a bagel eater, a Red Sea pedestrian, all that stuff. And it's all OK, because who am I offending? Myself. Well, I would right? say this. Joe, Joel's not like a full on real Jew. He's just Jewish. What I say. <laughs> Listen, it's it's in the blood. It's from my family. All my parents are Jewish. My grandparents were Jewish. My great grandparents were Jewish. In fact, if you go trace the lineage, it goes back to your favorite place. It goes back to Ukraine. Mm. Yeah, this is a family goes. They escaped when it was Russia before it was Ukraine. They escaped the pogroms because the Jewish people were being persecuted. They got out, and because of that, I'm here today. So there you go, Lachaim. Very nice. Good stuff. So there we go. Also in the world today, over 3,000 ATMs in Beijing are offering the digital wand. So it looks like the digital wand, the, uh, as we were talking about that a little earlier, it is fully getting rolled out. So that's what's interesting to me is that, no, we want to do the digital wand, but we don't want Bitcoin around at all. It would almost seem like if they wanted a healthy digital wand, they would want to have Bitcoin there to sort of help you know, pair with it and, and and be part of the whole crypto ecosystem and let people choose. But they don't want to let people choose. They they don't want people to have Bitcoin. They want them to have their digital wand, which is controlled by China, by the Chinese bank there. So, yeah, 3,000 digital wand ATMs are popping up across Beijing. That's crazy. Do you think uh, is uh, is our rock and roll popular in China? Like, do you think they would know cheap trick? You know, the dream police because because like if so chairman winnie the pooh they should like hire a cheap trick to be their official spokespeople so they could sing i want you to want me mm. right great great marketing campaign right there they, they wouldn't get it they wouldn't get it but americans over there would and the, those of you americans that are over there these, these days they have yeah those of you that are groaning too bad mm-hmm Take it. We talk about this. Like yeah, we true. Take it. Take it. We, we did talk about this a little earlier. The Chinese Bitcoin mining shakeout is oh. potentially why Bitcoin prices have gone down. We discussed that a little bit earlier on. I agree that here's an article on Cointelegraph, which goes into an additional opinion. I think this get China out of mining, get it in different countries, diversify. Because we had that one guy on the show a couple months ago who was talking about how China could really control you know, Bitcoin. And now with them getting rid of mining, I would love to have that guy back on the show. That'd be awesome. Uh, Also around the world heading to Europe, BBVA, 
banking giant. They are offering Bitcoin trading and custody for their Swiss clients. Switzerland always gets to experiment with a lot of this stuff first where it comes to finances. Now, it's my understanding that Switzerland is no longer the safe haven that it once was for people looking to place their money somewhere that maybe would be beyond the eyeballs and reach of an invasive government. I don't know because I've never done it, but isn't like Cayman where people are going now? Well, Cayman is part of the uh, British Commonwealth, right? Mm -hmm. So it is part of that, but there's some safe havens there. Some people were talking about Belize being a safe haven. I don't necessarily know. Panama was discussed at one time as being a, a safe haven as well. Now, you know, that was, it's always been one of those things that it interested me about Switzerland. They can just be like, no, 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 time out, time out. We're cool. We're, we're not in it. We are totally neutral, you guys. And one way that they're able to maintain neutrality, many of you may know this, many of you may not know this, but when they hit a certain age, I believe it's 18, they go and do a little bit of army stuff and they're given a, an M16 or the, the equivalent. And so pretty much every Swiss household has at least one or two M16 equivalents in their home in case shit goes down. They're basically a man-made militia, which is like, there you go. Why, why? And, then, and they don't have any gun problems because everybody has a gun. And so for people to say gun problem, guns are a problem, they're just not, people just aren't trained with them. And if they did a th thing like this, I think that's one reason why America's never really been attacked, Joel, is that, you know, most people know, well, it's been attacked Pearl Harbor, but that was in Hawaii. There's not been a mainland attack. Why? Because I would assume every country assumes that every American is armed to the teeth. So how are you going to how are you going to be able to attack a country that's armed to the teeth? It's kind of crazy. My teeth are weapons. Especially if you went to the, the dentist. Well, they're weapons good. against the food that I eat. Like, I, you're in trouble if you get in my mouth. Weapons of so, mass chicken. As we uh, finish our international segment, you guys see how we tied that all together. Let's fly back over here to North America. Uh, actually, I'm, we're not. You're in North America. I'm not. I'm in the Caribbean. But it, you know, North America enough-ish, right? Um, to Canada, eh? There's uh, there's very few publicly traded mining companies, eh? And uh, Hive is one of them. And they've they've uh, they're Canadian, and they've received approval to list their shares on the Nasdaq. There, uh, they they went public in 2017 on the, the Canadian stock exchange and now they're going on to nasdaq and this is interesting because uh, there's a lot of people that want to get into the, the cryptos and the bitcoin without having to buy them and one way they do that is by buying the stocks there yeah hey where's my toque <laughs> <We're> <laughs> yeah where's my El toque? El elsinore beer eh take off you hoser love yeah. that movie one of that's my molson favorites. molson good, get out that's a good one all right, Joel, also talking about Ethereum, there's been an upgrade and this is going to reduce the ETH supply overall. And uh, that's heading into its final stages of development. There is a hard fork that will include EIP 1559. And it's going to lower the amount that ETH that miners receive. So I have a feeling that the miners are not going to be too happy about that. And they say that the London hard fork should be ready in July. So I guess that means what, less gas fees overall? That's what they say it's supposed to. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out when it happens. It's, we've been covering Ethereum now for four years. And for three of them, we've been talking about, you know, ETH 2.0. And then they've got these little upgrades and forks. I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. Right now, gas fees are actually reasonable. Mm -hmm. You know, the price of ETH is down. It's like I minted an NFT for $3.50, which, by the way, is still $3.50 more than it would cost me to mint that NFT on wax. But relatively speaking, the price is down. Yeah. This is bad crypto episode number 16,408. Congratulations. Ethereum 2.0 is almost ready. In other news, which is kind of irony... From the Department of Irony, an American racer by the name of Stefan Parsons crashed his car during NASCAR. Well, that car was sponsored by Dogecoin, and uh, the car couldn't finish. And, you know, it's ironic because Doge collapsed here, like big time. You know, it's at a quarter right now, down from, what was it, 75 cents or something? 
So uh, anyway, I guess the guy, the guy's all right. He's fine, but the car finished last. And wah, 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 wah. yeah, you know, somebody made a comment on. I saw it on Twitter where it said Lehman Brothers uh, market cap crashed by sixty billion. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. Dogecoin's market cap has, has dropped by about seventy percent. We're like, oh, it's just crypto. It's just you know, it, it is what it is. Like. What are you going to do? And it really I mean, is. You get used to it. Yeah. But think of this, guys. I mean, realistically, if, if you bought like $1,000 worth of Doge one year at this time last year, you're up 98, what, 9,837% year over year. So it's all about perspective and depending on when you get in the market. And so if you just get in and you're constantly stacking and you're and your dollar cost averaging and you're just getting some Bitcoin here and there and getting some Ethereum over time, like chances are if you if you buy the big boys, they're going to continue to grow. If you spend a lot of your money on the shit coins, chances are they're going to go to zero. Ninety percent of those are going to go down to zero overall. So you got to got to be smart about it. But that is that is rather hilarious that <coughs> hilarious that the uh, Dogecoin car crashed during the month where the price of Dogecoin crashed. That is pretty funny. I mean, not funny, funny, haha, but like ironic. Well, it's kind of funny too. I mean, it's the guy was funny. okay. You know, yeah, he didn't he, die. Nobody died. Nobody was hurt. Just the car was hurt. So that's okay. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Hmm. So there you go. So uh, in more interesting news, well, I think it's more interesting anyway. There was a dude. <laughs> this is that. Now, this is funny, funny. All right. I'm just going to read this from Fox35Orlando.com. Imagine going to sleep as an average, hardworking American, only to wake up in the morning a trillionaire. Chris Williamson said, I've been dabbling in the crypto and stuff now for maybe eight months. And, you know, we found some of these. I guess it's just like play coins, things people make. He sank $20 into a crypto called Rocket Bunny. And Tuesday morning, he wakes up to check his phone. <laughs> and and it says that he's got $1.141 trillion uh, in, in Bunny in his wallet. Uh, oops. That that was not accurate. Yeah, that, that was one hell of a $20 investment, if that was the case. <laughs> uh, wow. And it's funny, he tweeted in, he goes, I'm going to need someone to explain what the heck is going on and then write me a check. I got a mega yacht shaped like a penguin on standby. <laughs> Crypto trillionaire. <laughs> now, this was in his Coinbase wallet. How would this be? Is Coinbase like listing Shitty coins like coins, really? I don't know. I don't I don't know. He's looking in his Coinbase wallet. So that's pretty funny. Obviously, he uh he did not make a trillion dollars. <laughs> uh, but this <laughs> this he dude says, here. Hold on. He said this. He goes, Well, the deadline I gave them to write me the check is near. I'm about to be on some Billy Madison shit. <laughs> oh, At least he had funny. a good sense of humor on it. That's great. Yeah, well, nobody's actually going to try to claim, you know, Coinbase, where's my trillion dollars? Wait, let right. me call the government. They can print that out for you here in a few minutes. We'll, we'll have to, add it to the debt. Right no worries. So that was fake money. But in this story here, this is real money. When you're trading options, you are taking a really big risk. I mean, trading of any kind is taking a risk. But selling options, whether they're calls or what do they call them? Uh, puts. Mm -hmm. It's it is dangerous to do. And one guy did that. Um, he traded. What was the price he thought it was supposed to be when he was putting the option in? Well, so he bought five thousand contracts of the December expiry two thousand five hundred and sixty dollar put option, and and so since he bought all of those, then the price when the when the price of Ethereum tanked down to seventeen hundred. That's when those options were 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 due, and so figure that five thousand uh, contracts, and then he had what eight hundred and sixty dollars that he would have to pay back on each one because he thought the price was going to be over two thousand five hundred dollars, and so you're looking at five thousand times eight hundred and sixty dollars. Oh, looks like that's about four point three million dollars if that's the case. So depending on when exactly. <clears throat> his price was um, 
so it, it got down to 1700 but I don't know exactly when the call price was, but somewhere in there. And so that's how he had to owe. That's why he owed so much money on that. That's just crazy amount. Yeah, I you will not find me going down that road of, you know, playing with trading. It's just uh, it's too stressful, too stressful from an area of less stress, though, is the NFT world. And Quid has announced that their gallery treasures, the Claude Monet collection piece has dropped on Da Vinci and they've got all kinds of cool bids. Go to the show notes and look at this piece of art. It's really, it's beautiful. It's the woman with the parasol artwork. It's framed, it's spinning around. And I love the quality of the stuff that, that, you know, Quid is ramping up. They're not just collectibles from Marvel and blockchain heroes now, right? They've got some classic artwork and doing some cool 3D stuff. And uh, I think we've announced it before, but we are definitely... Um, doing another series on Quid. It was super successful with the first set of Blockchain Heroes and Blockchain Heroes First Strike will be coming out soonly. And uh, those, some of those are going to be mintable. So you're going to want to wax. You're going to want to keep up on that. Yep, yep. I think that covers the news, Sir Lord Travis. We have, a, uh, we have an interview that we want to share with people. Should we, should we go to that? So from that Telegram ton project that was shut down by the SEC, we've had something rise up from the ashes like a phoenix, Joel. Indeed we have, and they reached out to us. Uh, It's called the Free Ton Network. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting because this is all community-driven, decentralized blockchain. And in all of our Crypto Spotlight segments, they are sponsored segments. That means that we are compensated to bring the project to you. In other words, we get paid, but we like the project. We think it's cool. We'd actually like to work further with them and help them with additional marketing because I feel that these types of projects really deserve to get exposure. We're not recommending that you buy any tokens from listening to this interview. We're not recommending that you don't buy tokens. We're just not making recommendations. Uh, You know, it's up to you. Do your own due diligence, do your own research, take responsibility for your own monies and um, see what you guys think. So here we go. If you'll set the Wayback Machine to the ICO season of 2017 and 18, you may remember all the hype surrounding Telegram's multi-billion dollar ICO and then the subsequent beatdown by the SEC who said, you can't do that. And thus, there is no ton from Telegram. That was going to be their token. But out of the ashes of that, like a phoenix rising, good things are coming about. And one of those things is Freeton and the DeFi Freeton Alliance. We have with us today Ignat Shopkin, the portfolio manager at Warp Capital. That's going to fill us all in on freeton.org. Ignat, welcome to Bed Crypto. Yeah, amazing to join. Thanks a lot. Yeah, where are you at? Oh, I'm in Belgrade uh, in Serbia at the moment. Mm, and you guys are having record heat over there, right? Yeah, it's like an electricity outage here, like very, very hard. Uh, well, we're glad that you made it and uh, and stay cool because you seem like a cool guy to begin with. Uh, <laughs> what uh, What is the Freeton Network? So Freeton Network is a decentralized community of investors and engineers that build top-notch blockchain, which is fast, scalable, and is based on the technology that we're developed uh, um, by Telegram Open Network and Telegram. So we used uh, these technologies to build the, the new community to solve real problems and to make money. <laughs> solve real problems and make money. Sign me up. That sounds exactly what we like over here. Um, so, so were you guys able to take existing code that was part of ton or because I think, didn't they open source some of that and you guys utilize that or did you guys uh, build off of that mostly from scratch? How did this, how did that come about with the code base? Yeah. So basically after the, uh, the problems with SEC, the code was in open source, but there were some like things to be uh, configured 
Uh, additionally, so uh, the team of uh, Tone Labs, that is uh, the core developer of the uh, Freeton network, like Ethereum Foundation for Ethereum. So like uh, Tone Labs in collaboration with initial members of the network. So the network is in its core is decentralized from its uh, in the grassroots. Yeah, so from the scratch, it was decentralized and the community of different stakeholders launched the protocol. So this community of initial members took the developments of the Telegram Open Network. Uh, so like tune it, configure it and test it and um, made it to, to work smoothly in production. And it was done uh, for months after the SEC um, press release uh, regarding Tone. Uh, so like, uh, so basically the foundation, what was the development of uh, Telegram Open Network uh, and the white paper by uh, its co-developer Nikolai Durov, uh, the brother of Pavel Durov, the, uh, the CEO of Telegram. So like, but uh, then uh, I think that Freetone now is like more, uh, it's not like Telegram Open Network. Yeah, it mm -hmm. has some connections, but it's it's a uh, uh, it's a uh, separately standing product and network, uh, and um, uh, works uh, individually. This is truly decentralized, right? I can't call the CEO of Freeton, right? The governance is is ruled by the people, and that's that's how things get done. Correct. Yes, correct. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. So we as investors consider it very promising because there was no any private sale. So the core developers and initial members, they um, never organized any private sale or any fundraising. They started as a community of, of thinkers about the uh, the sustainable development about the development of technologies and how to uh, solve not only tech problems, but also social problems and uh, social governance problems. So uh, the first thing was, hey, let's distribute the power in our system from the scratch. Yeah. So we start with the small community, but very decentralized, and then we will grow it from 21 members to more than uh, 30,000 uh, members of the community. And these, uh, and these people, they know how to rule. Probably they, they have different opinions, but they know how to rule. But um, this uh, democracy, uh, I think that this is a sign of demo democracy uh, on blockchain. So how it's organized uh, in terms of processes, there are some. Uh, there is system of sub governances. So we have some like um, initial members in the um, in the primary governance and sub governances, uh, which are um, uh, responsible for for their area of development. So some sub governance they are responsible for DeFi development. Some for about for marketing. Uh, some for smart contracts. Uh, UI UX for uh, for like uh, some like wallets um, and the geographical sub governance for Korea for for the US. So this uh, these sub governances they manage uh, their particular area. They uh, uh, they are particularly DAOs. They manage their budget. They they allocate um, uh, their tokens. Um, they were allocated from the from the whole ecosystem to organize uh, contests. This contest uh, is a way to find the best solution for some problems. So, for example, we are actively uh, working with DeFi sub governance. So we have, uh, for example, the contest for the best solution for the landing product, um, like. Ave or compound, so uh, so developers are creating uh, and implementing the uh, the protocols. They uh, show it to the public. 
they provide AMAs about how their uh, product works, and they and then uh, distributed uh, community of experts like DeFi juries. They decide and and make marks which one is the best, and then there is a table leaderboard. Uh, how many tokens is allocated to each team? So like you can uh, you can go now to Freetone and start um, being a community member. Uh, from the day one and contribute to the whole ecosystem yeah. by building these products, by like uh, communicating with people, by like uh, spreading the word about uh, our our community. So you said go to Freeton. Is that that's Freeton.org? Yeah. So Freeton.org is like the primary source of information. Now mm-hmm. you can you can go to um so there is some forums uh, on freeton arc when you where you can find some uh some specific uh telegram groups uh twitters for for specific uh, uh sub governance so like and then you can go to the so you can choose the area which you like to contribute and then you go like join this community in particular sub governance or in like multiple if you if you like there's a lot of stuff going on. And I, what I'm really curious about is the DeFi side of things, because it looks like you guys are building a DeFi ecosystem with Freeton and, and really curious how that works and if that's, if that's ready to go or when it will be ready to go. Yeah, so like decentralized finance, I mean, like this is the core, uh, core of, the, uh, of the blockchain. Yeah, so we need to re- solve uh, the problems with funding with um, uh, payments and then we can go into nfts and in other like layer two and layer three products so in terms of the DeFi, yeah we are like on the verge um of really fundamental changes so the first one the the bridge between freeton and ethereum is in production it is audited and in it will be uh uh, it will be uh, decentralized in one month. So the DAO will be implemented and the, the whole power of this bridge will be spread out. I mean, like, uh, there is no custody. The, the bridge is fully decentralized. So you have the system of uh, relays. These relays um, have economic incentives to participate and to transfer um, messages between two ecosystems to like securely transfer funds from Ethereum to Freeton and from Freeton to Ethereum. So like in, ter- in, like, um, in light of uh, the Binance Smart Chain bridge, which is fully custodian about like um, other bridges. So I think that it is one of the advanced technologies in area of uh, interoperability between blockchains. So that's that's a first trigger to to grow. So the capital will uh, can easily and in secu- in a secured way come to to Freeton. And the second one, so there are some uh, technical specifics uh, that we need uh, we needed to resolve. So now the fundamental level, I mean, like multi-signature accounts, uh, well, payment wallets, uh, Google some extensions to to operate with DeFi protocols. They are built, they are audited, and they they are in production. So now we can build some products. And the first product is uh, the first uh, automated market maker exchange, Swap, where you can easily, in a very uh, convenient way, way, exchange um, Ethereum, um, uh, Ethereum tokens from Ethereum that's um, uh, gone through the bridge and also uh, the uh, Freeton native tokens. So there are now, uh, so now there is only one token, this bridge token, uh, which gone through, uh, so uh, bridge uh, developers, Brox's team uh, raised more than $1.5 million in private uh, private sale in this month, and um, so n- soon the token will be sold to the public as well. So you can trade bridge tokens and the token of Tonswap 
so native tokens on uh, Tonswap very soon. As you're browsing through the website here at freeton.org, and we encourage you guys to go look and really try to grasp what a fully decentralized blockchain um, community-driven network looks like, one of the first things you come across is ton.surf, a free, private, and easy blockchain interface for smart people. Oh, that's good. So I... You almost lost me at smart people, but I barely qualified. And this downloads an app. When I think of surf, I think of a way to, to surf the web. Is there is there going to be a browser integrated with this that's decentralized or is this purely a wallet? Oh, so basically like TonSurf Ton is, um, is a 360 degree solution for uh, for blockchain operations. So now it's like a wallet and a Google extension. So very soon it will be a decentralized browser as well. Yeah, you are right. Yeah. So basically, and, and it looks like a chat application too. So is that a fully encrypted, um, you know, private chat, kind of like a signal? Uh, so the chat is mostly used as a format of, uh, of, operations you mean like you can create your smart contracts in a chat so you you use chatting uh like a format of interacting with a blockchain so it's like a very native to and user friendly if you need to create some uh, some smart contract or uh it's not the only solution so for for like um this is mostly for like uh, for developers and for advanced there are solutions for uh, for us. Yeah, I, me, I'm not very advanced in technologies. I'm like use uh, very convenient. Uh, uh, so uh, I would prefer to use some Google extensions and very like easy to use. But if I need to to make some complicated stuff, yeah, I can use this chat in TonServe to create my contract and to. Uh, to build products. So you guys are building a whole ecosystem on this. So it seems to me like what ton was going to be with Telegram, it's like you guys are literally taking the bull by the horns and building it out. I mean, you mentioned the AMM, which is basically a swap. So that'll be tonswap.io. You have a bridge to be able to, you know, connect to Ethereum. That's huge. DeFi. So I guess my next question would be then is, do we anticipate there being NFTs on the future, in the future? Yeah, basically not in the future, they're present. So there are um, uh, marketplaces uh, uh, that are built by the NFT sub-governance. There is, wow. uh, so there is separate sub-governance that is uh, focused on NFTs and they are building NFTs marketplaces. They are now, uh, like um, haven't they? Um, they have come to the conclusion regarding the NFT standard representation. I mean, like in terms of the smart contracts. So, like uh, these problems are solved. So now they uh, the the problem the, not the problem. Yeah, the re the area of develop development uh, for development is uh, to acquire people. Yeah, so to acquire artists, to acquire customers. So, uh, but the products are quite good. So they're easy to use, they are fast and, and very cheap in terms of transactions. I'm also, as I'm playing around with the app, I see that I've got the ability to stake. Um, the, the coins in here, the token are called ton crystals. And so you can stake your crystals and uh, staking them, I'm assuming, helps run the chain in some way and you earn rewards. Yeah. Yes, sure. So like uh, Freeton is a, uh, is a proof of stake blockchain. So you can be a validator if you have enough tokens, but you can delegate to, to the uh, functionalities like depots. Uh, so you delegate your tokens uh, to participate in the in, in the staking process. So you can uh, generate the yield on your ton. So basically, so now uh, you need to like stake your tokens in this depot. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, now there is a contest in the DeFi sub governance to create the tokenized staking. So you can go to ton swap. 
just easily buy with your USDT uh, interest bearing uh, Ton Crystal and you like have exposure on Ton and yield as well. It's fully liquid and you can sell it uh, back uh, on TonSwap as well. So like super easy. So Ignat, what else is on the horizon? You guys are building a whole lot of stuff here. As Joel mentioned, you have staking, you have swapping, you have the bridge, you have DeFi, you have NFTs. Like where do we anticipate Ton going over the next year or so? Yeah, so, so basically I think that we will be huge in uh, digital identities as well. So like uh, so to provide the full capacity of functionalities about um, SSI. Uh, so I think that also uh, Freeton is on track to build the fundamental infrastructure for DeFi. I think that that is the uh, number one solution for, for a year. Well, there you go, gang. Go ahead and, and check it out at uh, freeton.org. There's a lot to discover here. If you are geeking out on decentralized blockchain, it looks like these guys have a really fascinating solution. Ignat, thanks for joining us today. And we're going to look forward to watching Freeton evolve. Thanks a lot. So there you go, Free Ton Network. You guys check it out again, do your own due diligence. We feature a lot of projects on this show and we accept advisory for projects that we think could have a lot of steam. Recently, we featured a project called Rocket BSC, which we thought could do well on the Binance Smart Chain um, by making NFTs available on yeah, the Binance not a lot Smart of NFTs, Chain. Not a lot of NFTs at all on Binance Smart Chain. So finding the right platform that's going to deliver kick-ass NFTs on Binance is going to be a big winner. Turns out Rocket BSC was not a big winner. Well, here's the deal. They actually launched, the platform was ready. And I was really surprised at how quickly they put it out there. I actually bought a couple NFTs from the platform and we were getting ready to ramp up and um, and make our Blockchain Heroes uh, statue, a unique exclusive trophy available for our people to buy. And then the wheels fell off. Uh, look, you know, you can only know people so well from having some conversations with them online and offline. And, you, you know, you put a certain amount of trust in people. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to name names. Let's just say that these guys should not have been in business. And the, I gave the best advice I could give because the the wheels really fell off for one person in particular. And... Um, I counseled him privately and I said, don't do this. Don't shut this down. You need to make good uh, on, you know, what you said you were going to do here, regardless of whether or not your, you know, your developer has quit, which he did. It's all very public. And I said, you don't quit on it. Well, he didn't listen to my advice. He quit. He deleted everything, everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so so bad uh, so it started off it started off where so if you guys are launching a product or a project and you you need to have a liquidity pool make sure you are the one who funds the liquidity pool first because apparently that was one of the very first problems with it is that somebody else came in funded the liquidity pool and then was able to siphon off a lot of the bnb that was in there right yeah, I don't know exactly what happened to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, when somebody's making these liquidity pools, um, I, I don't know exactly how it works that somebody could just step in and take those pools over and crash the price. But it was a bad deal all around. It was a great project idea. It was developed. It was working. And they killed it. So, um Anybody who invested in it, we told you to do your own research just because you hear somebody on the show. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And guess what? The tokens that we got for having them on the show, they're worthless too, gang. We don't, we, we don't get any benefit to, uh, to bringing mm -hmm. something that we don't think has potential. Uh, no. But, you know, what you got something you want to say about that? Yeah, I just busted their balls during that interview process because I wanted to make sure because I, I was like, wait a second, like, how is this working? What, what is this doing? So if you guys know, like it was the first time that I had heard about him. So I asked them a lot of very tough questions and they answered the questions. I think the best that they could, it sounded like it was going to be a, a good project and they just had some unforeseen things 
not go their way. And then they grabbed the rug and pulled it and ran away. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I don't know that it was a traditional rug pull. I don't think that they actually pulled the liquidity from it. I think mm -hmm. the liquidity is locked up and unpullable. I think it's locked up for a hundred years. I think that maybe somebody sold some team tokens, but in order to have a rug pull, don't you have to have liquidity removed so that it's not tradable at all? Mm -hmm. I yeah, think. I think so. I'm not sure. It was rug pull ish, right? It, it may as well have been a rug. Well, they took their ball and went home because they shut the website down. So I was like, yeah. Kinda... All right. So there you go. Meanwhile, listener feedback for this week is in and perhaps my most favorite five-star review that I've ever seen popped up on iTunes this week. It was uh, from Megan at Podcasting You. She wrote for the headline, awesome content, exclamation part, and then the, the content of the review just said, Joel. That was it. That was the review. Thanks a lot, Megan. What about, <laughs> could have said what Joel and Travis. Yeah, no. Just Joel. Just, All right. It's just Joel. Congratulations, that was, that Joel. That's it, the best. So. You're the best. Good, good review. Um, I, I think you deserve I think you deserve to go hang out by the pool, Joel. I do deserve to hang out by the pool. I'm going to do that right now, actually, as we wind up this episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Our tribute episode to John McAfee coming soon. Not sure if it's going to be before or after the regular Sunday scheduled show. And tune into the Nifty Show as well every Thursday, 5 o'clock Eastern time, live at nifty.show forward slash YouTube and nifty.show forward slash theta. And uh, subscribe to the Nifty Show and the Bad Crypto Podcast. Leave us 10 stars because that makes us twice as good and it tells us that you know how to stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.